Welcome to the Granary Church Mums and Kids podcast, where we want to have meaningful conversations around parenting, health, education, and creative ways to survive lockdown. We'll be blessed with many special guests, and you'll be lovingly hosted by Mel Atia. Mel is a part of the Granary Church's pastoral staff, has worked as a physiotherapist, and is an amazing mother of four. We pray this resource blesses and encourages you at this time. Welcome to Mums and Kids, everybody. Today, we're in conversation with Michelle Morrow, who's a homeschool veteran of 18 years. All of her kids were homeschooled and went to uni at 16 years old. Her eldest is now a doctor and her youngest is still at uni completing a Bachelor of Business. Michelle began a homeschool business and blog 14 years ago. Since then, she's helped thousands of parents get started with homeschooling. In New South Wales, she is listed with the Board of Education, NESA, as a homeschool resource site, and her My Homeschool curriculum has been used by over 1,000 students in Australia. Welcome to the Mums and Kids podcast, Michelle. Hello, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you today because this has suddenly become relevant to everybody. Thousands and thousands of parents have now found themselves with a new role, which is an educator or a new explicit role, perhaps I should say, as an educator. And I guess we'd love to have your thoughts on a few different aspects of homeschooling. What do you think is the biggest battle now for parents who found themselves homeschooling? I think one of the biggest battles for parents who have found themselves homeschooling suddenly and for veteran homeschoolers is really a battle in your mind because you are just... You always feel inadequate, you're doing it scared and you just lack that um, contentment that you feel like the grass might be greener on the other side. So you um, lose the ability at first to to really settle into the role because uh, you're just not feeling uh, in your heart content with it. And so that brings with it a whole lot of stress and um, anxiety about, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I enough? Am I, you know, good enough for this role? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've heard many people say that, actually. A lot of people have mentioned that they're finding it hard to keep their kids motivated uh, through the day and are finding it hard to fill the day uh, with the activities that they're, that they're receiving and are, are supposed to be assisting their child with. Uh, have you got anything to to help us in that? Uh, Yeah, I think the when you homeschool, it's quite different to the school setting. So the routine that you have when um, you're at home doesn't involve assemblies and going from one classroom to the other and doesn't involve, you know, um, time sort of wasted on, you know, talking to other kids about this or that aspect. And so naturally your day is much shorter. And I know some Uh, parents feel like they have to fill in this eight-hour period of education and they're worried that their kids might be missing out because it's not taking eight hours. But it it should own, you know, homeschooling can often be finished by lunchtime. And so because kids are used to being um, sort of spoon-fed their education, uh, that they're not used to having to find things for themselves to do. And, and the easiest option is always 
uh, you know, play a game on the computer or watch a, a Netflix video or watch YouTube videos or whatever they used to do in their sort of bored leisure time. And so obviously parents don't want their kids doing that from lunchtime till 8 o'clock at night. And so they need to um, help their children get going with something that uses their imagination and that might take some time and that might be, mean that they are bored at first but if you can sort of teach them um, that look this is still school time even though you've finished your lessons there's still time here for you to learn and be creative and be imaginative and and you're going to have to start to look for those things and it might be do a puzzle it might be set out some painting it might be make a movie with their brother or sister but it if you can sort of set a boundary there so that they know that it's still school time it's still educational learning time but they can think of something to do themselves then you'll really position yourself well for using that time wisely they were three great examples that you just gave then. As I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm wondering whether some of us as parents are actually out of practice of being creative, that even ourselves, we've, we fall into the trap of uh, reaching for a device to fill in those empty spaces in our lives. Um, do you have any other examples of things that uh, parents might be able to suggest their kids explore in those um, empty spaces? I remember um, my kids used to go, um, were homeschooled and they um, read so many books and then when they went, one of my kids, uh, he was in year seven and he went to school and he stopped reading his books because he was so busy and then I had to, I was, you know, worried about that because I was thinking, oh, he's not reading anymore and because they've got all this extra time and so um, I sort of put together a few techniques to get him reading again. And one of the things that I have found really good for getting your kids reading is grabbing a book that you really want them to read or you and you actually think they'll like it <laughs> and getting a bookmark and putting it in the bookmark and just saying read three pages a day and popping that with their schoolwork. So that can often be a way to start encouraging reading again because that is a great pastime. And um, I suppose teaching your kids to play with each other again because often when they're used to just playing in their peer groups, they don't know how to play together anymore. So sort of suggesting a game of hide-and-seek or, you know, allow your house to get messy and um, build a cubby house, and um, which a lot of us have trouble with get, letting the mess happen. And just pulling out all those gifts that your child was given over Christmas and they've never touched is a good idea to get those things going. So that would be some ideas I'd suggest. That's great. That's great. So in the in the official education component of whole, of homeschooling, how important is it at home have have a timetable or not or have a desk or not? Should you have a, a specific place in your house that homeschooling occurs in or what's, you know, what have you found has worked? Well, obviously everybody's home is different and so for me to sort of suggest exactly what you do would be um, 
bit too prescriptive. But I personally found that even though my kids had desks in their room, they worked so much better at the kitchen table because the kitchen table, everybody's there, so there's a bit of a community. Um, you can work in the kitchen or I was ha my laundry was right next to my kitchen so I could sort of duck into the laundry and do a bit of, you know, housework as well. But I found that um, there was just a bit of community there and you could supervise without actually having to, you know, sit beside them. And, and even though, you know, you think they should be able to work on their own, in most cases they're not used to working in an isolated environment by themselves and they also can get easily distracted with online things, especially if they've got a device in their room. So when they're in the kitchen table, you can supervise their internet use, you can supervise what they're doing and you can help keep them on track. And obviously Zoom meetings and things like that, well, obviously they might need to have a special, you know, I'm going into my room for a Zoom meeting. But in general, if you can get them working uh, together in community, um, that I find that that helps them know this is learning time. That's great. And what happens if you had a child that just won't do it? <laughs> they won't do it for you. They won't sit down. They won't go down the route of doing schoolwork in that home context. Do you have any suggestions for parents who might be having that battle? Uh, there's been, I've actually met a few people who've asked me this question, so it's actually quite common. And uh, firstly, I'd say, were they having that trouble at school? Because if this is just a new problem, then you know, there's obviously some strategies that you need to set up for that. But one of the things, uh, if, if, this isn't, if this is not a new problem, then uh, it's, you probably have to work with your teacher and it's something that you'll have to work through. And I'm not really experienced enough to sort of talk about all those behavioural issues. But if it's something that is just new and, and they don't seem to be able to do their work or they're finding it too hard, it might be that. It might be that it's too hard. And that because schools aren't used to this sort of home teaching environment, they are relying on the teacher to be sort of a teacher's assistant. And if you don't know how to help your child through that, or if you think that this is just too hard for them, you can step in as the role of the parent and just sort of help them with it. Or even what I call be a slasher mum and just say, no, don't do that. <laughs> So it, um, it's okay if, the, if it's taking them the whole day to do something that the teacher probably only thought would take half an hour, um, it's okay for you to say, it's okay, darling, you just don't have to finish that bit off. What happens if the child then says, I'm going to get in trouble? Uh, well, then you say, don't worry, mummy will speak to the teacher. <laughs> the teacher now. And the teacher has said that mummy's in control here and uh, you be your child's advocate. Nothing bad's going to happen, honestly. My kids did very relaxed homeschooling for many years and we had periods of sickness and periods where, you know, relatives were sick and I wasn't available as much. And my kids still all went to university at 16, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're a very good model homeschooling family, that's for sure. Very, um, must be very proud of where your kids are at this point. So the other issue, I guess, for people homeschooling in this season is that they are also potentially working at home. So um, I know you worked and homeschooled simultaneously and that would have been a juggle, but 
how do you imagine that people are going to juggle things when they're literally in the same location at this point? Do you have any suggestions or any, um, yeah, any ideas? Uh, for 14 years, I um, work, actually for 16 of my 18 years, I worked um, part-time and for a year I worked out of the home as um, a registered nurse, a year and a half, and then I, I went to my homeschooling business and I found working out of the home extremely difficult because really you had to, you know, run uh, the home as you as you needed to do and, and get somebody else. So I got my husband involved in that process and we sort of shared some things. Uh, but when I was at home, I actually found it a, a lot easier because I was able to set up times when I worked and times when I didn't. So. Uh, if you if it's possible for you to set up periods where you can work you might have in the past worked from you know nine till five but if it's possible you can you shuffle your work schedules into different times so I, I found you know if I work from six till nine in the morning that was a really good time frame for me to because it was quiet and the kids weren't sort of bothering me and then I sort of did the school work and got a couple of loads of washing on the line things like that and then from sort of two till four I did another slot and then I did another slot after dinner and I found that you know I could get six hours in um, of work in to six to seven hours um, just by sort of slotting in my times rather than doing it all in bulk. And what did your kids do when, when you were working? Because I'm imagining that there'll be a lot of people who are doing similar. I know I have a sister who's only working from 3.30 in the afternoon till 9.30 at night because she's got three kids bouncing around at home. But she's in a in a profession where that allows her to do that. She's not having to have meetings, for instance, during the day. Have you got any tips for how, short of drugs, how to um, keep children quiet if you have to be in a meeting or do something at work for a short, you know, chunk of the day? Well, I think it's good if you can find a place where you can get away from the kids. So if you've got an office or if you can do something in a room where you don't, where you're not having to say shh. shh, shh to kids all the time that would be that would be excellent but I think also just setting that expectation for your kids look this is mummy's working time um, but if you're setting it up at a time when you know that they're going to need you that's difficult but what did I do with the kids I think what I did is um, it became a habit so they knew so it was always clearly defined. So I wasn't working all day. So every time they came to me, I wasn't always saying, I'm working now or mummy's got to do this or whatever. So I did, they did know there was time when I was available and there was time when I wasn't available. And um, if a really important thing was coming up, like a meeting or something, I would say, now mummy is going to be in a meeting for the next hour do not talk to her. It's an important phone call. And I might even put a sign on the door. So for me, that was how we did it. But, you know, my kids just had that expectation that they played on their own. I mean, they must have made a 100 movies during that time of themselves doing stupid little things that we look back on those movies and we absolutely find hysterical. Uh, they, they made a mess. They did make a mess. They made massive forts. They played... Um, chasing games outside they colored in they but we we actually didn't have a tv for seven years so we didn't use electronic 
devices for that entertainment because a lot of time kids do get bored with that and then they start bothering you and things like that. So taking that expectation of the electronic entertainment forced them into learning other things that were quite occupying. That's great. So there are people talking about this term or two terms or whatever it's going to be um, that the regular school calendar isn't operating as being lost, a write-off, that sort of language. Is that really what these two terms are going to be, do you think? Well, I suppose there's two things in that. If it's a write-off, it's a write-off for everybody So, because everybody's in the same boat. Uh, your kids aren't going to be disadvantaged. But honestly, I think we need to trust that our kids learn out of school, that they're learning all the time. And even if they're not learning getting through that math textbook that, you know, they would have got through. There's other things that they're learning and this particular season in their life is something that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives and going to be able to talk to their grandchildren about. So, no, they definitely will be learning. Honestly, we had so many periods. We only homeschooled three days a week for many years. We the primary years we only ever homeschooled four days a week and most times we always finished by lunchtime and we um, never had homework and we definitely took extended school holidays. So you will be absolutely fine. It's just training your mind that you are always learning. Conversational learning is great. You can talk to your kids about stuff. You can talk to them about you can help them watch documentaries. You can, there's so many things that you're doing that have nothing to do with school where your kids are learning. That's great. I think that's going to be a real comfort to many people who are a little bit wound up about this time that they're seeing as lost. Um, so that's great. Really good advice, Michelle. So thank you so much for joining us today. And listeners, if you would like some more information, Michelle has a website and newsletter that she gives lots of other tips to homeschoolers. And you can subscribe to that via her website, homeschoolingdownunder.com. So thank you for joining us today, Michelle. And we would love to have you back at another point in time. Okay. Thanks very much, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you found this podcast helpful, why not subscribe or share it with someone you know? If you'd like help, advice or encouragement in parenting, please contact the Granary Church at granary.org.au.